You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, Brad, before we get started, I have to apologize to all of the listeners out there who probably had upwards of 1,000 episodes of the show just show up in their podcast feeds yesterday. Um, I'm very sorry about this. It happened to me too. Uh, Peter and I are in the process of migrating this podcast to a different server. And in order to do that properly one of the steps we had to take was to like make all of the older episodes available so we can so they'll all sort of make the jump over to this new thing uh really this shouldn't have any effect on the listeners i don't think anybody's gonna have to like you know search in their feeds and find the podcast again and subscribe to a new feed or anything it should be seamless but i was not aware that (laughs) that making these older episodes available would somehow uh for some reason make a thousand plus episodes of the show just um you know populate in everybody's feed so i'm very sorry about that i realized like what a gigantic pain in the ass that was because i it took me several minutes to go through and and delete a lot of these things too so um yes my my humble sincere apologies at the top of the show uh okay let's get into the news there's just three stories that i want to talk to you about today brad okay really two of them i think have like 
real um, discussion potential. The first one is uh, Bong Joon-ho's Mickey 17. This is this new movie. Um, this is the one that I don't think has a lot of potential. I just want to put on people's radar. We don't really know much about this movie. We know it has a, a great cast, including Robert Pattinson, who's the only character who appears in the teaser trailer that was released for this but this movie isn't coming out until 2024 i think march of 2024 so um i, I saw this trailer for a new bong joon home movie and, and got really excited about it and then realized it's not even coming out next year it's coming out the year after that so this is very very early i just wanted to put this movie on everybody's radar we've written a, a little bit about it here and there at slash uh, i will link obviously to the most recent article um, that has like sort of a, a breakdown of what you need to know about this. But um, I just figured with Bong Joon-ho being as a, as great a filmmaker that he is, it's, it's never too early to get excited about his next movie. So, uh, okay, Brad, this is really the, the primary reason that I wanted to have you on the show today is because a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife has been announced. I think it was announced a little while back, but now we know who's going to be directing this movie. Uh, Will you tell me who's going to be directing this movie? Martin Scorsese. Wow. What yeah. a bizarre choice. Left field. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's going to be set in New York, and it's going to show, show us a, a group of mobsters who decide to become Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, they're going to be hunting down gabagools. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's a, a big big swing, and I uh, can't wait to see it. <laughs> uh, no, it, they're playing it safe. Um, they're, they're bringing in Gil Keenan to direct. Uh, he co-wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife with Jason Reitman. And uh, he also directed Monster House back in the day. So they're bringing him in to direct the sequel. Uh, makes sense. You know, Gil Keenan doesn't have a, a ton of blockbuster directing experience. But I'm assuming since he works so closely with Jason Reitman and Jason Reitman is sticking around uh, as a producer that they just trust what Gil can do with the franchise. They know that he's going to carry the torch of what Reitman wanted to do by bringing Ghostbusters uh, back to the big screen. And so, yeah, that's that's where we're at. That seems like the, the cast is coming back. Um, at least as far as the new cast members, uh, you know, who knows if we'll see any of the original cast members make a return. I feel like the one that is probably the most uh, likely is Ernie Hudson, since he had uh, a key uh, scene at the end in the credits uh, showing that he was um, still in uh, still owned the Ghostbusters firehouse and was basically uh, looking at bringing the Ghostbusters back to New York. Uh, there's a chance that Dan Aykroyd could just because, you know, Dan Aykroyd's not super busy and he still loves right. Ghostbusters. Bill Murray's probably the one who's like, probably we'll sit this one out. Yeah. So I know that you have some like somewhat complicated thoughts about Ghostbusters Afterlife. We talked about this when the movie came out. I never actually got around to seeing this movie. Um, but I, I'm curious what you think about Gil Keenan being the director of this movie. Like, obviously you said it's sort of like the feels like Sony is, is playing it safe a little bit, choosing him, but he has like a, a connection and some experience with this. Does, does his, um, his hand being the one guiding this thing, give you any, uh, what, what kind of sense does that give you of what type of movie we're, we're going to get with this afterlife sequel? You know, I really don't know, but like I, I, uh, monster house is a very good, uh, animated movie. It's, it's really cool to like the, the production behind it, um, was really impressive. And, uh, I remember there being a lot of talk about Gil Keenan around that time, having a real good grasp uh, of like the spirit of Amblin movies and monster monster house kind of has that, that style to it, that storytelling vibe. And that's really what Jason Reitman went w uh, for with Ghostbusters afterlife. It has the, the first, um, you know, two thirds of the movie. I don't have really have a problem with, I think it's a really fun uh, new spin on the Ghostbusters formula. And it has the spirit of an Amblin movie uh, until I feel like it kind of falls apart a bit in, in the end. Um, so I think that that's probably what they want to keep alive. I, I feel like they're they're hoping Ghostbusters kind of turns into this 
you know, Amblin-esque, you know, franchise that still has one foot in a little bit of that comedy, but has, you know, become something that's more akin to Ghostbusters Afterlife as opposed to what we got with the original franchise. I'm curious what you think about, as as the biggest Ghostbusters fan I know, what you think about the direction that the franchise has gone in in recent years, because there was talk, I'm sure you recall, we've both probably written up several articles at Slash Film in our time about the different versions that Sony was thinking about taking this franchise and like how it was going to be sort of a globe trotting thing at one point. And there were talking, there was talk about, if I recall correctly, like Ghostbusters on different continents and things of that sort. Um, but what do you think about the idea of, of just le- sort of leaning straight into the Amblin of it all and, um, and, and sticking with that approach as opposed to you know, going down that different fork in the road that they could have gone down five, six years ago. You know, I feel like it's probably the the more interesting uh, approach than any of those other options because the other options just feel like they would probably be skewing more towards trying to turn Ghostbusters into like an even more massive blockbuster and something akin to Men in Black, which coincidentally enough, Men in Black is probably the only other sci-fi comedy that has ever come close to matching the formula that made the original Ghostbusters so great. And replicating that is extremely hard. You know, not, not even Ghostbusters 2 could do it all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that taking this route is uh, more more interesting and provides them an opportunity to do something different so they're not constantly... Uh, being compared to the uh, original franchise. And I think that that's a big part of the reason of like why, why Jason Reitman did what he did with Ghostbusters Afterlife, because it, it fed into the nostalgia that fans wanted to see by bringing the old Ghostbusters back, but also introduced these new characters and gave the franchise a future with these characters that provides a different path for them to take. And so, and I think that even if they do stick with this, this Amblin path uh, here with these new characters, there's nothing that says that they can't expand Ghostbusters further down the road to, you know, make it a thing where there are Ghostbusters franchises around the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential there. I'm, I still don't know that like the idea of ghost core churning out a variety of Ghostbusters movies, like has a lot of potential. Um, but you know, there, there's, there's a good chance that like you could do different kinds of Ghostbusters movies where like you can, if you, even if you lean into like the, the horror aspect of it, there's a lot more fun to be had there because the original Ghostbusters had some good horror moments. And I feel like you, you know, every other like Halloween, you probably could do something tied to Ghostbusters that isn't necessarily, you know, what, what the original Ghostbusters was. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm, uh, I, I'll always be hopeful that there's another good Ghostbusters movie coming. I don't hate Ghostbusters afterlife, even though I did have some disappointment with it. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always curious. Okay. All right. So the last story that I wanted to mention is, uh, involves the, um, the new Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I don't actually don't know if we've talked about our feelings about the trailer for that uh, movie on this show yet. Cause I, I think it came out like I did, last week. I did with, with Peter. We did, a, okay, great. we did an episode where we talked about guardians and Indiana Jones and all that jazz. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so I, I wanted to mention uh, James Mangold, the director of this movie. He, he had a, a small uh, tweet thread about this. And there's been a lot of um, speculation about what exactly Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character is going to be doing in this movie. She's the playing the goddaughter of uh, Indiana Jones's character, of the, of the, the Indiana Jones character. And um, I think there's been a lot of speculation that like, Oh, she could end up being the one who sort of takes over the franchise, or, or you know, how is how is Disney and Lucasfilm going to uh, continue to sort of milk the Indiana Jones thing uh, after Harrison Ford steps down, which by all accounts he's going to be doing after this movie is over. Um, and I thought this this little tweet thread was interesting from James Mangold. He responded to uh, a, a now deleted tweet, which I think was a. Um, 
basically like a, a fan theory about Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. And he said, one more time, no one is quote unquote taking over or replacing Indy or donning his hat, nor is he being quote unquote erased through some contrivance. And he never was not in any cut of the script, but trolls will troll. That's how they get their clicks. Please don't exhaust me pointing out how once in a while a troll is right. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. All one has to do is look at set photos and interviews and you get enough info to make wild guesses about a movie plot. The difference between trolling a-holes and everyone else is they are trying to make money off your feelings about other films and culture war politics. They push uh, controversial guesses as coming from quote unquote sources to gin up clicks let it go. So um, I think that's a good uh, distillation of the, um, <laughs> frankly, the difference between a place like Slash Film and like a lot of the uh, sort of YouTube like commentariat that's out there of yeah. people um, who are just like trying to drop scoops on every single movie and <laughs> thinking that they have sources and, you know, 99% of that stuff never pans out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So um, anyway, I, I, the the um, the main thrust of that uh, comment is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is not uh, taking over and um, or replacing Indiana Jones. And I'm curious, Brad, just like what you think, you know, being however many months out, uh, out we are from the Dial of Destiny, what you think the future of this franchise is going to look like once Harrison Ford actually does does step away. I mean, he said so many times, like, you know, I am Indiana Jones, like nobody's taking over for me. Um, but what is Disney and, and Lucasfilm going to do to keep this thing alive? I mean, we did get that news recently that Disney Plus is reportedly working on some kind of Indiana Jones TV series spinoff that the, the rumors that it will focus on uh, Marion Ravenwood's uh, father, who is also a fellow adventurer like Indiana Jones. Um, you know, that's, that's one route to take, I guess. I, I think the better... 
idea would be to, uh, you know, hop on the coattails of Kehui Kwan's comeback and give us a short round series of having him be an adult adventurer because Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. As far as the movie's concerned, I feel like Lucasfilm probably just has to take a break from Indiana Jones movies for a while. And, you know, regardless of what Harrison Ford says, the, the, the franchise doesn't belong to Harrison Ford, even if the character of Indiana Jones is so closely related to him. And you just know at some point, Disney and Lucasfilm have to reboot Indiana Jones and give us something new. You know, it, it's going to be an uphill battle and it's going to be tough to convince a lot of people to, you know, give it a shot as, um, you know, when Harrison Ford is gone. But, you know, I, I feel like that's probably what's what's going to happen. But there'll, there'll probably be a good long break after this movie since they're going to give Harrison Ford, you know, a proper send off, whatever that might be. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like so curious because uh, he has made it so clear his feelings about, you know, there was all those rumors about Chris Pratt taking over and all that. And he just seemed like very like, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Nobody, I am Indiana Jones. Nobody's going to take this over. And and I wonder how much respect Disney is going to pay to that in, in you know, the coming years. Like, is there a scenario where they wait a few years, like you said, after Dial of Destiny comes out and then put out a new Indiana Jones movie that is like, you know, something, something colon an Indiana Jones adventure or something where it's like uh, signaling to the audience that it takes place in this universe and sort of the same way that like knives under a uh, glass onion and knives out mystery kind of does where it's like, this is a way that we can get the branding in here, but it's, it's kind of a separate thing, but it's like in this world. And I, I wonder if Disney would actually do that or if they would like risk the ire of the world by recasting that role like at, at what point does a, a um, character does an actor become so linked to the character that uh, it, it makes more sense to try to just do spinoffs for, for eternity instead of you know like um, mining the the IP in a more traditional way I don't know yeah, I, I agree. And like, I don't know, it's like, that would be interesting. But I just feel like you're, you know, it, it would just feel like, you know, doing Joey after Friends, <laughs> you know, oh. you know, like, that's I, I just feel like nothing's ever going to be as interesting, you know, as Indiana Jones, because it's, you know, it's the character that makes, you know, these, uh, these movies that much more interesting, you know, if, if you're going to make a good action adventure movie, just go make a good action adventure movie, like don't, don't shoehorn the Indiana Jones name into it. Right. So like, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I feel, I, I think, yeah, just rebooting down the road has to be like the best option because you get another actor who's younger, you get to watch them grow with the character because it's, it's a little difficult to do younger Indiana Jones adventures. You know, we already had a TV series about young Indiana Jones and you know, it, it, it was what it was. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like maybe there's potential there to, to do that, but we all also saw, you know, that, the reception to a young Harrison Ford in the form of Walden Ehrenreich in Solo, a Star Wars story wasn't all that great either, you know, even though there are fans who, you know, like it and have wanted to see a sequel. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Well, okay. Last option here before we wrap up today's episode, the um, reception to the digital de-aged version of Harrison Ford in this trailer has been pretty positive. And I, I think, you know, uh, they still have some work to do as every trailer is, is, you know, there's like the VFX houses are constantly like working until the last minute before these movies come out. So I think it'll probably look even better than it does in the trailer, like most things do. So what do you, I mean, this is a ridiculous question, Brad, but like, what about the idea of even after Harrison Ford uh, steps away from this character, keeping that character alive, so to speak, and just telling, you know, stories of young Indiana Jones using digitally de-aged you know, somebody else, but like almost AI technology or whatever to, to, um, 
to recapture like almost like performance capture in Harrison Ford's digital body, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, look, I, I think it's probably a terrible idea, but like, is that something that Disney would consider? Um, do you think that there's a world in which given the way that they've used, um, you know, like the Carrie Fisher as, as young princess Leia in rogue one. And like some of these other examples of digital de-aging technology and like the way that um, James Earl Jones basically said like, Hey, I'm retiring from the voice of Darth Vader, but you can continue to use my voice to, to create AI generated um, new line readings, like based on the, the history of the, the library of, of uh, archives of, yeah. of um, line readings that I've done. Like, it's technically possible. The question is, do you think Disney would actually do it? I, man, I don't know. Like, it's, I guess it's always a possibility, especially if you do it the way you mentioned, by having, like, Indiana Jones bookend these stories where he tells, you know, a story about, a, a you know, his younger years. But at the same time, you still have to deal with the difficult pill to swallow of seeing somebody else play younger Indiana Jones. Because the, 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 the bigger problem is that we've already seen, uh, you know, Harrison Ford as younger Indiana Jones because he was younger when he did when he originated the role, you know, the only other option is seeing, you know, Indiana Jones as a teenager or maybe in his like, you know, early to mid twenties, probably. Well, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is they actually just like make a full movie where he looks the same as he did in 1981, like just digitally de-aged. Like, I feel like that's probably way too expensive. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, like, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're already, you're already doing so many visual effects for the rest of the movie. I feel like having a character who is basically has to be, you know, their their face be entirely digital throughout the entire movie and look convincing enough to convince you that this is a young Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, I think it's hard enough doing that for it, just, just flashback scenes and trying to do it for a whole movie is probably pretty difficult because, I mean, even something like, uh, you know, when they did Peter Cushing for, for Rogue One, like mm-hmm. some shots look amazing. Other shots, it's like, that's weird. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, Based on the trailer, you know, the shots of the, the DA's Harrison Ford look pretty dang good. You know, there's still some work to be done around the eyes, I think, to make it a little bit more uh, lifelike and realistic. But, yeah, I mean, possible, yes. Likely, probably not, because it just, yeah. just, just seems too, way too expensive. Yeah, the only counterpoint that, that popped up in my head while you were talking just then was um, Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel, yeah. which, like, he was a supporting role, So, but he was on screen for a, a decent amount of time he in also, that movie. He also doesn't look that much older in real life, though. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. But I wonder if like they could, this is, this is like this deranged and maybe I shouldn't even be like speaking this into the ether for fear that Disney will actually do this. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because I I think it's an interesting conversation. I don't really think they're going to do it, but if they could find somebody who looks enough like Harrison Ford did in the mid eighties or whatever to be the sort of um, the body double version of that character on set the whole time and then just apply his digital visage, (laughs) you know, to this actor's face, um, and use, you know, whatever AI they're going to use to uh, to um, create the line readings and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's a, uh, a completely soulless concept, but... Um, I, I mean, it think... would be it would have to be the guy that played young Harrison Ford in Age of Adeline. Uh, Adeline yeah. Uh, Anthony Ingruber, because he, not only does he look like a young Harrison Ford, but he knows how to do the voice as well. So, like, right. that would be yeah. the only thing, but yeah, but even then, I feel like that's just... Uh, also weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I. Uh, I regret bringing it up because I, I really don't want Disney to do that. But yeah. um, I've just been thinking a lot about uh, AI recently and and sort of like how far 
these studios might go with this stuff because we're still sort of like really on the um the sort of like, it's, uh, it's interesting cutting I, edge. yeah because I, I had a, i had a conversation uh with my mom of all people about this because I, I showed her the indiana jones trailer and like i, I went back and showed her the the digitally dh stuff and she was like she was like wow and she was like and she she's like well pretty soon like a lot of older actors will just be able to make movies like and make them look like they were when they're younger and like they'll just never age and i was like yeah maybe i was like but also like there's only so many movies you can really do it with because of how expensive it is. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna make like a a, a romance with a young Meryl Streep because that's just way too expensive of a prospect for a movie like that. You know, right, right. So like it's only it's only ever gonna be for like big blockbuster movies with a big visual effects budget that can ever de-age it unless the technology you know continues to get so much more advanced and easier to use that it does become cheap cheap enough. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like we're we're still a little ways uh, away from that. Okay, well, this veered off into uh, wildly divergent territory, but uh, thank you for, for going down this rabbit hole with me, Brad. Uh, you can find more about a lot of the stuff we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. You can send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashhome.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.